Hello and welcome to another wonderful, spectacular, extra califragilistic expialidocious episode of Normandy FM. We're here. I'm here. I'm Eric Van Allen. Ken the Shepherd is here. I am. And joining us this week is once again the wonderful Jay Malone. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. We're thrilled to have you back because you were you were our first guest in in the very the very first season I think too right no, no we didn't that. have guests no in. I did not play that one first first season That's was fair. a was a extremely fair it was training wheels you know it was training wheels but the first guest we ever had on this show in Mass Effect two uh, so happy to have you back see Ken I already have like great memory I'm already doing great this episode yeah. <laughs> um, Eric I've known you for five years now and. I, you are by far one of the people with like the worst memory of the people I've ever met. I've known you for five years. You've known me for see, you don't even remember that. <laughs> oh, what I do remember is the Krogan, the plight of the Krogan. The that we got to make it right, man. We got to we got to do things right. Also, you know, if potentially we help them out, they're going to help out the Turians, and that's nice too. But uh, we will potentially help out the Krogan. Who knows? Maybe things, maybe things will we're happen. we're not monsters, all right? Let's just would, set that groundwork out right now. <laughs> I would say, like, I'm just going to point out, like, I reached out on Twitter asking people, like, I was looking for people that had done the bad thing in this section of the game. And I came, I came across, I came to two conclusions. One, basically nobody does that. And two, the people that do that almost only do it if they're doing, like, a specifically renegade playthrough, like, they're not doing it because they think it's the right thing to do. They just do it because it is on the bottom right of the dialogue wheel. So No one is, no one is role-playing that, like, choice. Right. They're just right. doing it as, like, a completionist thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Boy, that, that almost tells you that's maybe a flawed choice. That almost tells you that maybe it's not really a good choice whatsoever. But, hey, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> not in this episode though because first to to take care of the genophage and cure the genophage so we can get the krogan to help this is look ken this gets a little convoluted here because we kind of do a little um this for that and tit for tat sort of here we mm-hmm. we do some wheeling and dealing because we we set up the whole uh the meeting between all the different races and we basically get the conclusion that if we uh get the krogan and can get them to fight on palavin to help the turians out then the turians will send their ships which are now 100 percent reaper free to help us out so we got to kind of do a little trade everybody's got to mm. help each other out uh and to do this we got to do the thing that we probably should be doing anyway which is curing the damn genophage but to do that we got to get one specific female krogan out of a salarian 
whole whole fortress i don't know what you call it lab it's, it's lab. not really a lab it, but it's like super defended like is you it? Don't see it. yeah i, I mean, think it's wired pretty quickly yeah but that's, that's a reaper you know like they got dudes with guns <laughs> like, i mean it was just cerberus it was that they swoop in yeah and this is yeah this is cerberus actually this isn't even a reaper what are they doing they do, they, uh, I'll, I'll give them i'll give them some leeway and they say at one point in the episode they do hint that there is probably somebody on the inside to help them out oh you don't say no. possibly could be so the thing that i i immediately love about like the circus mission is obviously see i'm gonna like mess this up because circus and then like i'm gonna be saying a bunch of hard s's but then there's a sh in it and it's, it's gonna trip me up all day um what i love about the cirque cash mission god dang it is uh uh having rex along just mm. having him back like just having a good time with Erd not rex uh you you make note of it in your notes but there's a lot of really fun stuff that mass effect 3 does with bringing along uh old old shipmates to hang out in missions where there are also old shipmates and so before i get to ken jay i want to hear about you who'd you bring on this mission so um I did not like transfer a save over or anything. So I was restarting a new and at the beginning it's like it basically asked like in a roundabout way, how many people would you have lost on the suicide mission? And I remembered in my first playthrough of Mass Effect Two, I lost a lot of people. So I just picked the one that's like, fucking I lost a lot of people. <laughs> uh so I don't have Rex. I have What? Someone mm, else? I'm I'm Reeve. pretty sure that's or not, not Rex. Yeah, Re yeah, he sucks. That is um, Rex's brother. Oof. Fucking. He sucks. And, yeah. like, he's he's just, like, he seems like the, what are they, Krogan? That's what they are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, like, the Krogan version of that muscled-up shitbag guy from the beginning of the game <laughs> with the tattoos. <laughs> he's like that. And he's just obnoxious. <laughs> and... Mm. Uh, but for like who I actually took on this mission, I think it was just Liara and, and Garrus, just because mm. I think I, a lot of the beginning of this game is kind of rubbing me the wrong way. Mm. Like I think it relies too much. I think it relies too much on these already impressive characters that we love, like Garrus and Liara, and then they introduce these other characters like Shitbag mus- uh, Muscle Man, and uh, they just suck, and they don't—they're not developing them in any meaningful way it seems like and i know you talked about this on the last episode about how awful he is but i I don't know it just seems like with with mass effect 2 from the get-go you were meeting previously established characters that were great but you were also meeting new characters and you were like oh this fucking morden guy he seems amazing but then in this one it's like oh yeah he's morden's back and then oh garris he's still doing the exact same thing garris does and and then you have the new people that just aren't landing for me and like I remember my first time playing through it. Eventually, it started to click, but God, it just feels like a slog at the beginning of this. I, I'm a to compare it to Mass Effect Two. I think you got you hit the ground running with a lot of new characters more quickly than you do in Mass Effect Three and also Mass Effect One because, and it was why we ended up structuring last season the way we did is because like the characters in that game don't develop contextually with the overarching story, and because like that's why nobody really talks about the missions that you're going on, but, like, everyone has their designated dialogue path that you can still go through, but with Mass Effect 1 and 3, it's, there's a lot more of a slow burn 
when it comes to character development because it is happening like more like alongside the story. So like yeah, like at the beginning, James is kind of a obnoxious fucking dude, and he, you know like we said he does click at the end. But yeah, I would get it at this point like if you're not like if you don't if you have like immediately clicked with James, you're probably not gonna do it for like long enough to the game where you're probably not gonna bother using him as a squad mate. Yeah, I never would. There's not a chance. I love the only one. The character that I do love is the the female Krogan. She is just a mm. fucking hard ass. Yeah, and that was another thing that I want to point out. And we, we can, yeah, this is probably the point to talk about it. Where a lot of the there's not a lot of as many quote unquote, new characters because a lot of them, like a lot of the major roles in this game are put on by characters that you've seen throughout the trilogy. And like so, like if they're dead, then yeah, you're probably gonna get somebody else, and it's gonna be a different dynamic. Um, in the case of Rex and Reeve, like, there's a completely different possibility of, like, the future of a species. Um, and so, like, we do meet a character here on Sarkash named Paddock Weeks, who, if Morden is dead, he takes on that role and it changes sort of, like, the outcomes and, again, like, the dynamics of certain things. But, uh, I don't, I don't know that I would ever fault Mass Effect 3 for, like, quote-unquote, like, relying on these old characters, because, like, we talked about, whichever episode it was, like, to me, Mass Effect, the trilogy, has is a triple-A episodic game. And it's, like, it is sort of this, like, continuous story that I don't know that it's a fault of it to rely on something that is basically just, like, you're on, like, the third episode or the third act of something that has been going on for five years at this point. It's it's really interesting. We haven't, like, talked about that at all yet, but now we, like, finally... This is, like, a really good mission to mention that... Yeah, this is we're just dealing with established tropes and so many of the characters that are new tend to fall by the wayside here. Like we talked about it last uh week, but the only ones that have stood out for me are Cortez and Trainer, whereas, you know, Vegas sucks. <laughs> and uh I even I will venture to say that Edie is not that interesting of a character in this game and that maybe most uh... of the interest I would say most of the interest comes from the interaction of Edie and Joker and Edie herself uh, is not that interesting of a character. I don't know about that. awful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there is... You cannot defend Edie. I can't, like... For, okay, well, and, like, we talked about in the last episode, like, I will not defend the presentation of her, like, a body, like, the sexy robot body. The Joker oh. dynamic is, like, absolute trash, and, like, I will not have it said otherwise in my house. But I think, like, the idea of, like, her trying to, like, slowly grasp what it means to be a living person it's really cool and it i mean it might become boot depending on what happens later in the game but i i think on that end like watching her like slowly realize and like having like grasp like these uh like when like principle is like over like the survival instinct like there's a conversation later in the game where she's watching like prisoners of war not like the reapers like basically giving this ultimatum like you sell out other people you'll live longer and people aren't doing that she's like she doesn't understand it from like a like a calculus standpoint but like as she's talking to Shepard and like trying to work through these things i think that's really cool i i love that about her i mean it's gross gross sexy robot body those conversations are what like 10 percent of her overall discussion compared to the like 90 percent of oh joker wants to bone me and i don't understand what that is <laughs> like, it's literally her introduction is literally that she's like i've got to go show joker and shepherd's like yeah it's a good idea and it's like yeah what is this that, care what that is like doing? a weird moment when 
I have not thought about that in a while, but I'm now thinking <laughs> about that, which I got to show Joker, like, that's a little weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> what has Joker been doing in the cockpit? <laughs> like, and why um, is Shepard just like, yeah, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> Shepard's like, yeah, okay. Joker's, Joker's as a, horny. <laughs> as a person that is like, okay, Shepard does not say, yeah, that's a good idea. He just says, on that, like, he's, she says something like, Joker will want to see. And he's like, on that, we can agree. That was the only yeah, thing they say. I mean, that's that's what I said. Joker. No, not. <laughs> <laughs> one, one is endorsement, one is acknowledgement. So, but we've got, anyway, we've got cash. Of, this, this mission really is like... I, I'm now thinking about how this mission ends up playing out if you don't have all these returning characters. Because you have not just Morden, not just... Or not Rex, but you have Kirahi, which you specifically know, Ken, that you did not have him like the first time around there. Mm. Kirihi is incredible. Like, Kirihi is really awesome. In fact, he ends up playing, like, a super big role if you do have him alive in Mass Effect 3. Like, he, even when you get to the end of the game, there are, like, scenes involving Kirihi and stuff like that. It's, it's really, really, really cool. And it's... I, I agree with Jay that the standout characters in this game end up being the ones that dominate and aren't those slow burns like we had in mass effect 1 or mass effect 2 because at this time we just don't have the time right to to spend on that you know so we need the characters like eve the la- like the only fertile krogan female who just straight up grabs a shotgun off the table and kills somebody <laughs> like yeah that's a good pitch good job <laughs> um so we get, we get to this this station. We we find Morden here. We find out that Morden's working to help cure the genophage. Which is an, it's a nice little thing. Uh, we talked a lot about, especially in Mass Effect Two, the loyalty missions. How uh, Morden has this gradual change of heart. How he goes from being this very cold, calculating pragmatist to realizing the like the effects that the things he does have on actual people and seeing actual people affected by them and so that's a really really nice part but it is a little weird that it's not the same voice actor (laughs) yeah a little like it's not really noticeable but it is a little noticeable (laughs) i I did not notice it at all i want to double check on this because like if (laughs) i do know just from Knowing everything that happened in the series that was being developed, that um, knowing everything, jeez, <laughs> that the so the original voice actor was never was never asked back, oh, that's and weird. that's like I I want to say that's the only time that that happened over the trilogy because I don't I don't remember anybody else being recast, um, and then there were like he was even posting online was like yeah I never got asked back if fans want to basically harass Bioware and ask them to do that. Mm. So oh, neat. That's yeah, good to go about it. <laughs> I That's... it's a huh. You know, maybe there was more of a reason why he was not asked back than <laughs> just that. If that was his initial response to "I didn't get to be warden again," <laughs> and I mean, it huh. is a sad. It is sad, like from the perspective of like his performance as warden is like one of the best of Mass Effect Two. But I mean, if you it from the sound of it, you were a pain in the ass to work with. So yeah. You know, and you know what? New Morden ends up doing the job all right. I mean, when you think about Morden in the context of the series, like the the lines he delivers that are synonymous with the character mm-hmm. all kind of happen in Mass Effect 3. That's so true. maybe then 
Maybe it all it was all worked. It, it was it worked out. It was awfully good. All worked out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do really like not just like the even Morden banter that we get here, uh, which is really fun. It's it's a really nice little thing, but also um, and this is sadly something that Jay did not get to see, but. I love how specific this is that if you have Liara and Garrus and you have done Lair of the Shadow Broker, I think that's the requirement. You get the mm. thing about uh, seeing the Yogg and then they have a little like aside about it. In fact, I th- I think only Liara does. Does Garrus mention it at all? Because I didn't have Garrus on this mission. I only had, I had Liara. And yeah, I yeah. I had like somebody else. So like the the interaction is like the Yogg escapes and like it runs off and then Shepard says something like, uh, "There goes the next Shadow Broker." And then Garrus says, I, I'm pretty sure I heard it muttering to Sony. And then Liara's like, that's not funny. <laughs> oh, it's it's a nice little side, but like a really specific aside that is like, I, again, you talked about how this is a giant episodic series. That's a really nice way to just kind of tie that in, have one little throwaway line if somebody managed to meet all those requirements and, and did all those things and brought those characters. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they do a good job of like really solidifying this sort of found family dynamic that all these characters have where like there are inside jokes like that and like they, they make sense to us as a player if we played through everything but like I'm trying like I'm trying to think of an example that we've even talked about at this point but like constant references to like trainer's toothbrush that mm-hmm. is like 3,000 credits and uh, just like all these like little things that like probably make no sense to anybody that's just kind of like looking out looking from the outside in but it's like I really like that you know, by like you know, we, we talk about like maybe James and to an extent Edie, like they don't stay out as much, but it's like at this point we have been with these characters for so long that we kind of have like our established favorites and our established uh, things that we care about, and so what it really comes through in those moments like that, like even as small as they are. Hmm. But of course, nothing gold can stay. Uh, Cerberus shows up, things go bad, and we got to fight our way out and defend Eve all the way back to the ship. Uh, and and this is the part where I'm, I'm I really want to get Jay's take on this stuff, because uh, here was where I suddenly started remembering how much I hate certain enemies in Cerberus, specifically yep. the Shield dudes. Yep. Oh my god. All you gotta do is pull. All you gotta do is pull them off. Holy shit. Yeah. If you have that ability, that's really wonderful. You're a vanguard. What pull? Pull. Since when do vanguards have pull? Since Mass Effect Two. What? I, yeah. I think you're lying. I, I specifically nope. remember throw, but okay. We haven't had throw since one. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, there I you go. You, Problem solved. Don't believe you, but okay. All right, all right, listeners, if you want to fact check and at Moosey on Twitter and yeah. tell him that Vanguards have pull, that would be great. They don't have pull around these parts. Mm. Anyways, Although I also I probably hate them, and they're I terrible. probably did plenty of points into it. What, are you, what class are you playing, Jack? Uh, I think I just picked the first one, the assault one this time, just because, oh, okay. like, on the last episode that I was on, I mentioned that I think the classes are all useless, kind of. So I just didn't really think about it. I was like, eh, assault. Um, like, I want a gun good. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. But, like, I don't... It's not just the shield enemies. I just think... I think there's so many of the, the weakling, pawn, like, husk enemies at you. And I feel like there should be more of a variety there as opposed to just, like, fucking waves of them. I get, uh, like, I... within the story it makes sense, but I don't know. It's just a I'm lot gonna... of just... 
popular gonna, these guys. I'm going to fight you on that because I think, I mean, and again, we are very early in Mass Effect 3 still, but like as this game goes on, there's a lot of variety like in class, like enemy classes across different um, factions like the Reapers and, and Cerberus and later the Geth. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've never thought, like I think this game actually does really well with enemy variety because it's got like all these, you know, the, the lower tier, like the, uh, the husks and the cannibals versus like the, then it gets to, like the marauders and the ravagers and then the banshees and the brutes like yeah, of but some all the reapers. <laughs> I mean that's fair. I mean, I mean I'll get into one that I can't fucking stand in later in this episode. But oh oh yeah, uh, but the shield dudes. Yeah, this was definitely the point where and and on the husk stuff. Like obviously we're not finding husks here, but. There, there were parts in like, um, like Palavin, even where I was like, "Oh, cool! They're just gonna put me in a place where there's no cover, and a bunch of husks are gonna run at me." I just gotta kind of. It almost reminded me of Mass Effect One in a way, like just standing there and shooting and shooting and shooting, and they just kind of run yeah. in the same canned animations. Like that was maybe the one point where I was thinking about how much zombie tech has changed since. <laughs> since then even but even around that time like you had things like left for dead and stuff like that mm-hmm. where there were some really impressive zombies and then the husks no matter how good this game looks and how many different enemy varieties they added the husks kind of always did the same thing and they always had that doofy walk and stuff like that that like <laughs> half run that they do at you and they'll like stop and then pivot and then run at you again and then stop and then pivot and like yeah yeah they they're a little bit smoother and they look a little bit nicer, but husks are still like the most boring thing in the world. It's not fun. Yeah, and I think this might be something both of you push back on me against, but I personally don't think that this game, like the movement, feels good. Especially uh... if I'm being rushed by a bunch of husks, I like I try to sprint, and apparently that's an awful idea because like he sticks to random cover, he jumps around, like it feel it feels very 2012, which is fine. Uh, but that just seems like one of the very few things that have aged poorly. I can see that, but I also feel like our perspectives are probably flavored a little bit coming off of Mass Effect 2, and coming mm-hmm. from Mass Effect 2 into Mass Effect 3 suddenly feels like, oh, I jumped forward a generation, this feels great. Like It's it's so much better, whereas like jumping back to this would feel very weird. Like If I played, say, Gears 5, and then mm-hmm. jump back into Mass Effect Three. I would probably be like, "Wow, this handles like garbage compared to Gears," and like, because Gears has like mastered that sort of stuff. And yeah. uh, I've been playing the Division, so that probably oh, there you go. Sense. Yeah, that that would do it. Yeah, um, for all the things I don't like about the Division, uh, it definitely does do <laughs> cover well because that is what mm-hmm. it does. <laughs> they got that one right. <laughs> uh, so we get through all this combat. We fight a mech. And and we get off. It's it's a fairly straightforward combat mission, but we do get to bring Eve back to the Normandy. We get to hang out a little bit on the Normandy. We get to get a little bit of the main story now because we do finally name the Crucible. We were calling it the Crucible. It is the Crucible. Uh, Admiral Hackett clearly has been reading some plays in his spare time. He's really excited about his uh, about the fifth fleet's production of the crucible he's he's gonna play the lead role he's really excited about it um that's my really bad joke of the week don't worry (laughs) um but you only get one no i get tons of them because that's what this podcast is uh but 
coming back to the normandy and we'll we'll talk because ken good god you've got so many notes here <laughs> we've got a lot of one stuff. of them has to be prepared we got a lot of stuff to do here just because it feels like the normandy this time around instead of being like a traveling thing for your companions it feels more like a traveling just dialogue machine because you don't have just your companions on board anymore but you can talk to the terrain ambassador uh slash primarch i mean he's kind of double dipping in duties there uh you can talk to rex you can like it acts as this place where not just your companions are hanging out but also whatever arc of the game you're in all the characters that are like major in that part hang out and you can talk to them there that's where you get a bunch of stuff with eve and you get to really delve into like krogan culture um you, you get to learn about what it's like you know growing up with the genophage and the way that they that changed how they treat society and the way that they treat each other and this part was really cool for me and the thing that i wanted the most out of mass effect of any of these mass effects was getting more of that like getting just get more alien races on board i want to be able to ask them about culture i want to learn their stories like i that's the stuff that's super interesting to me and so i was really loving this part but i'm I'm interested to hear how uh y'all feel about it um i i thought it was fine the thing that about like the culture stuff that stuck out to me is it seems like this game and this is jumping back a little bit but like in mission it seems like this game is much better about giving you backstory than the second one was and maybe it's just because i was like thirsty for some decent characters um but i noticed like garris talking shit about someone or some race more mid-mission um than i did in the second one but as for like on the normandy it's just uh, i was not that interested in any of the characters to really want to like you know scroll to the left of the wheel and dig deep into them and stuff was it kind of that you'd already seen all of it like you just kind of it was it was well-worn territory at this point and and you're just kind of like you know you were there to play the game but not necessarily to like rehear all the dialogue you've already heard before sort of yeah because i mean i've heard i've talked to garris many times i've Mm -hmm. talked to morden many times i love them both but like the world's ending man we got to do something like a sense of urgency a little bit to not just be like hey let's sit and talk about your your kid for a little bit let's let's do that come on the last thing i want to do is like interact with a fake rex (laughs) that's that's fair i will give you that that like i have no desire to talk to reeve either but uh i don't know like for for me at this point like we are seeing sides of cultures that we've like sort of existed around for a long time that we haven't actually gotten to see because Eve somehow three game three games in is the first female Krogan we actually get to speak to we actually get to see and when like fertility and you know birth rates is such this like weird touchstone of this people's culture of course we need to talk to the woman about it we need to see like what what like how it changes the way that they perceive the world and a lot of the, like, the sort of, like, misogynistic things we've learned about the Krogan apparently come from the women. Like, they, like, noted, like, uh, Eve talked about how, like, they would use, uh, like, their not-fertile female to sort or no, that might have actually been right, like, that they use their not-fertile females to kind of, like, drive away, uh, like, people that are, like, trying to attack and kill Krogan, and that was the female's idea. Like, it was like, they know what is valuable, or, like, what they believe to be valuable about themselves. And uh, Eve talks about even, like, basically 
finding out that you're not fertile as a Krogan is like this, it feels like this shameful defeat. And it has informed the way that they view themselves, like, and value themselves for so long. And seeing this, this person who's so empowered that she's going to be this person to change that for all of these people, I think it's kind of incredible. And I don't, like, that's not, that's not character interaction per se, but it's like, just like, what I love of Mass Effect 3 is, like, watching all these, like, the tide is changing for all these people. And, like, you get to see, the, like, you get to be in the center of it and see the people that spearhead that change. It's it's interesting, and and you also mentioned some Morden stuff in here. You get to talk to Morden a little bit and and develop on his character as well. Kind of get night like just like delving more into these characters. It's really cool just to to get these little bits. Um, the one that you bring up that I'm really glad you brought up um, is Chakwas and Adams talking about the collector abduction and stuff like that. I I heard that same dialogue, and uh, I think I made a note of it somewhere too. But it was like a really there's some really good care taken for some of the not even just side dialogue or discussion mm. but just straight up ambient dialogue that happens right. and we already talked about you know the storyline of the the wife and the mistress who run off together and stuff like that like, yeah. there's a lot of really good stuff there but also there's just stuff like this that's happening it's it's really i love as you go through this game the ambient dialogue continues to like reinforce themes and push the story forward and develop the sense of urgency in a way that's really interesting uh so we do we're heading back to the citadel because we are completionists we gotta make sure we uh take care of all of our side quests and also because someone on our ship just keeps saying like i want to go through a curtain he's really muffled in the background it's really weird he just keeps yelling it at us i want to go through a curtain um so (laughs) i guess we should probably do that um but first let's talk about miranda because miranda's great uh yeah Ken, don't send me notes in Discord. What do you mean we didn't talk about the Crucible? There's nothing to we, talk about with the Crucible. That's absolutely not true. We actually like get more concrete description of what it is, like what it's sort of we like. We don't know what the Crucible is for like ninety. That's not of true. <laughs> that's literally not true. It's just a big golden tube, and they're like, "Well, uh, I hope it kills the Reapers." Good. <laughs> did you not hear his joke? He told us what the Citadel or the, the yeah, it's, Crucible it's was. Admiral it's Haggard's production of the Crucible. Yeah, it is a joke. Yeah, but we didn't talk <laughs> about what it actually was. <laughs> um. Okay. The Crucible is this giant piece of technology that nobody knows what it does. They just know that at this point that the Protheans were working on it and that it was probably iterated on by the Protheans from previous cycles' designs as well. And it's kind of this everlasting time capsule that maybe one day it'll kill all the Reapers. Ken, I hate the Crucible. That was much less funny than what you said earlier. Is this where are we getting into this here? Is this I mean, I figured this is probably the point we started talking about it because it is starting to take okay shape. I hate the Crucible so much. It's it's not a good storytelling device because I mean I don't want to use like dumb tropes like you know Chekhov's gun and, st- and Deus Ex Machina because none of that actually applies here. It's just for the longest time they're like okay this is it they use it as the representative of this is like our one hope we're pinning all our chips on this we believe that this will work and but the whole time you know it's going to work because that's what the game is the game is literally telling you hey you should probably hit this many war assets or else maybe the crucible is not going to fucking work and like it's it it is like a game mechanic made corporeal and brought into the universe and turned into a character like and 
and at one point it even talks to you but we'll get to that later <laughs> it um, literally does not but okay part of it talks to you it's, no it literally does not uh, <laughs> i'm already getting really excited for the ending episode um i just but it's i just don't think it's an interesting like i i actually would have preferred if you were just winning this fight through an all-out last-ditch attack and there was some sort of other way that they found to take care of the reapers but there are so many things that i have an issue with with the crucible and, and i mean we're going to be talking later this episode about something along the lines of this but like they're just building the giant kill reapers button in the middle of space as reapers are flooding the entire damn galaxy and like it's it's not getting found it's not getting discovered in some way no one has leaked the the knowledge of the crucible until very very late in the story and <sighs> like like we talk about indoctrination like this is the part that maybe makes indoctrinate indoctrination the most sensible to me is because like just this idea that there is this thing that all the cycles have been working on and none of them have any fucking clue what it does but they just know that they need something to put in it and it's gonna do it the whole time i i play this game again i'm sitting there asking like how do they even know how to build this thing if they don't know what it does like how do you build something that functionally does something but you don't know what that thing it is that's supposed to do you know what i'm saying like it's trying to make a wheel without realizing that the wheel needs to roll you know you're just kind of making something and hoping that it will do the thing that you hope it will do, that you will achieve an end goal with it. And it's there's just so many things with the Crucible. I just don't like the Crucible. <laughs> so there, I got it off my chest, Ken. I got it off my chest. <laughs> Tell me about the Crucible. What about, what about when it talks to you? It well, literally yeah. doesn't do that. It literally doesn't do that. Okay, it's, it's, best, <laughs> it's best friend talks to you. <laughs> It takes, you, it takes the shape what the of something. What the fuck are you even talking about? I mean, are we going to talk about the catalyst already? Well, I'm just saying, like, you're completely mischaracterizing that thing. It's, I, I hate. It's okay, like not hate, even related. I hate the crucible, and I also hate the catalyst. There we go. <laughs> okay, those things are like actually completely not. But the related. catalyst is what you need to make the crucible work. Like That's they even not... they set that up here that they're like, well, yep, it's it's a crucible. It's going to do something, but we need the catalyst to like make it do that thing. Yeah, but the catalyst is not that thing that they're referring to. I don't know about that. I do because I've I've played to this point in the story already. <laughs> I have played this game a dozen times over. I know I know things. <sighs> I played it once. So so That's Jay all. is clearly the expert here. Yeah, mm. I don't, I'm going to be real. I hardly remember anything about what you all are talking about. That's except That's for impressive. I remember the weird talking thing. I don't remember where the talking's coming from. I'm making no assertions. Uh, do not yell at me. But <laughs> I remember a weird talking thing. And a bad ending. Hot, hot, <sighs> piping, hot takes. Ken, what do you like the Crucible, Ken? Like, I you... like it. In, I like it in concept because the the thought that it is this thing that has sort of like survived cycle after cycle after cycle, and like everyone's just kind of like adding to it, and like you know whoever first conceived of this idea obviously didn't have the time and resources to make it happen, but maybe the next people will, maybe the next people, etc. And, like, later, there's a character that we'll talk about that was maybe present in the last cycle that talked about how, like, they started to make it, but they, like, a splinter faction 
thought one thing and indoctrination happened and it didn't happen. And to me, that's just like, it's like a, what what's that phrase? It's like a, it's like a whisper from somebody that has been in the exact same place that we are and has tried to make this thing work and they're kind of entrusting it upon you to you know, make that next step, to be the one that finishes it. And in certain ends of Mass Effect 3, it's left towards somebody else because like there are people that get to Mass Effect 3 and they get they get fucked up and they don't they don't win and they leave these things for whoever's next and that's that part to me is cool I think that that is a really interesting thing and it seems like honestly like the presentation of it in Mass Effect 3 leaves much to be desired but like that to me feels like the most logical conclusion in terms of like a way to sort of wrap this up that there was like there's something that everyone has been trying to achieve that has gone through this before. And if we're going to be the people that, you know, in this once and for all, we're going to be the ones to do it. So my problem less comes from less of like, oh, they don't know what it does. It's more like they are trusting that this thing that has been gradually added upon for millennia or at this point had to have been worth something. Like all these people had to have been working towards something. And I like that. I think that, and it, like, I don't, I don't buy into the fact that oh, there was a way that we can conventionally won this war because like they established that at the very beginning, uh, the we the weaponry that we have is not going to ever win this war. Like the Reavers are just gonna crush anything that we throw at them. So yeah, I I like the Crucible. I don't think it was necessarily presented in the way that it needed to be to make it not have like those holes to to poke through. But yeah, I. That's that's just what it is for me though. I love the concept of it. I really do. I think the concept is a cool idea. It's just that when you actually figure out when it, when it comes down to what it actually is and also like the idea that it has gone through so many iterations yet nobody ever left like a hey, this is what it does. It's like it's like they invented a really big gun. I really like using this analogy, which is why I brought it up so many times on this podcast. Someone invented a really big gun, but forgot to tell everyone that you're supposed to also make a bullet to put in the gun. So everybody kept making the gun or making part of the gun. I, I personally have always just asserted that, like, asserted that to like this. These schematics have gone like they've they've lasted this long, but like. I can't expect every piece of it to have made its way through. Like that's like that, that's my that is my suspicion. Like, like it's a giant game of telephone, basically. Kind but, of. But then how does? But then how does the thing that we end up using at the end of this end up being the correct thing? Like how does it go from being the right thing to the wrong thing, then back to the right thing? You know what I'm saying? Like how the the game of telephone suddenly circles back around to being the correct message? Like that. Well, the I mean, we get. I start to think about. We, well, that's the, the thing. Is, like, we get. <laughs> like later in this game, we get the real message. Like we get the full message. Like that's part of. Right later like, in the game, we do get like the full. Like this is what the crucible is. This is what everything does. This is how it all works. I'm looking it up right now. The kid is called the catalyst. I was right. <laughs> yeah, but he's not the part that fi finishes the crucible. Oh god! Well, yeah. I remember the fucking kid. That's so stupid. <laughs> no, no, oh, you were, you were right. Well, <laughs> Ken, you're both both of us are actually kind of technically right, and that's the most infuriating part. <laughs> looking at this wiki entry is that both of us are actually. Right, <laughs> but um, 
that's that's the long way of me saying that like i the the crucible where we are at in the story right now is a cool idea it's a cool thing but just knowing where it eventually goes and also just the whole thinking about it i just i really wish it had been something different than what it ends up being so maybe this is me coloring it with knowing what it becomes and knowing what it actually is and what it actually does and what it actually results in is it's just infuriating because i'm watching it now unfold in real time and i'm like no you idiots it's dumb don't build it just make a big space gun and like <laughs> uh yeah uh why can't we just blow up some mass effect relays why can't we just like launch the relays at the reapers and blow them up like that's like out of system in in the last game that it can work <laughs> well where are we gonna live eric well i don't know man maybe we gotta take some of them with us you know you know what i'm saying like for the greater good and not making the giant golden tube that ends up docking with the the catalyst and yeah boy i can't wait for that episode oh okay (laughs) now we can go back to the citadel speaking of (laughs) and uh before we talk to uh somebody in the hospital i don't know who it is um we're gonna we're gonna talk to miranda because uh miranda's hanging around she's she's doing stuff she wants to catch up old time's sake old pal um it's the weird part the one thing i took out of this part with miranda because it's very brief you just kind of show up and you catch up and then there is a little bit about uh you know oh you know i think oriana's in trouble we should probably i want to go help her and you can be like hey i'll help out and she's like no i'm doing it myself is this does not broadcast how big the miranda stuff ends up being because definitely early on i was like oh fun right miranda cameos in this game just like everybody else just like zaid and and uh and jacob and jack and all that and it's like no this ends up being a big plot point that happens later in the game it's it is kind of like you know so like rex and tally like those storylines have like their own designated point in the game that they're like these major things where miranda is kind of going on in the background not realizing it's almost as important in places but it's just kind of like it's spliced together to the game in a different way so you know it's just something to sort of touch on for a while mm-hmm. which is which is cool i like it i yeah. like that miranda gets to play a large role because i think we talked about it when natalie was on but miranda maybe doesn't get to shine as much in emmy 2 as you would like especially uh considering that she kind of ends up being that human companion that has to act as one of the angels or devils on your shoulder all the time whereas now that she gets to be her own character in mass effect 3 even though we're seeing her only in like brief moments she's way cooler she's awesome yeah. like she shows up and i'm like cool it's miranda and she's like hey i get to be a character and not like just stand there and cut scenes and be like well i think you should do this while jacob goes no you should do this and like (laughs) it's really cool to have miranda be a cool character you do note that it is it is a bummer that uh uh miranda does not get much of a re revamp here compared to characters like jack uh in fact almost lovingly uh later on there is a gratuitous shot of miranda's butt just to remind us all of yeah. mass effect 2 you know just really drive that home remind us of the the butt shots uh i'll never forget we'll never forget you you don't forget that that's that's i was going to say, won't let you i was going to say that's america's ass but america doesn't really exist <laughs> in the space so that's and she is not american yeah america's ass that's... you mean the white house 
<laughs> oh, we get political here. Take that, gamers. <laughs> uh, but now we get to go see Caden. Talk about Caden. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna softball it in like that. No, I just, uh, we got we Caden's got story to talk about uh, because turns out he got a little bit of an offer. Well, I mean he he had the offer already by this point, but uh, he's made a little bit of a decision, and I want to hear how Ken feels about this scene. So, well, I mean, Ashley is the same way. Like at this point, they've both been offered yeah, respective positions. Who cares about point. Ashley, dude? By this point, I was like, fair. okay, I gotta do this scene to get through the game. Let's do this. Like, I'm, I mean, fair that's enough. where I was at with Ashley at this point. That okay? Well, <laughs> well, I, I have follow-up questions, but we'll get okay. to that episode no, like three, yeah, no, three you, weeks from now, you, something you like that. Bit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, don't worry. We'll, we'll talk plenty then. But no, at this okay. point, for me with Ashley, I was like, cool, you hate me, and you clearly don't want to, like, repair this bridge that is here, so we're just going to be mad at each other, I guess. Yeah, I'm happy. Like, literally, even the Paragon responses, you're like, yeah, no, I'm happy. You should be a Spectre. This is great for you. And she's like, thanks, Shepard. That means a lot to hear that from you. But fuck you for working for Cerberus. <laughs> and, like, just starts I... off, and I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a weird the the femshep Ashley dynamic in uh, Mass Effect Three is is very strange in ways that I only have now discovered. It's, it's yeah. Well, odd. I mean, if you don't have much to say on her front, like I just like it's sort no, of like I want to hear on... about the the Caden stuff. I'm interested. Well, I mean, that's just like it, it's sort of just following up on what we did last week, where it's uh-huh. like he's you know he's taking the offer and he's like sort of. He also, like he wants to get back to like finding his student his biotic students because like he teaches biotics and I'm super hot for teacher now, you guys. Um. And, like, he, you know, he, he's kind of, he does gradually talk about, like, he want, maybe, wants, maybe wants to come back to the Normandy, because, like, he's very open to, like, repairing our relationship, which apparently Ashley is not. And, but he's, he needs a little bit of time to, you know, you know re- fully recover from his injuries, but then he'll get back to me. Maybe, maybe that's, like, a little bit of it is just that if you don't have that ability for the the human character to be romantic with the main ship you you get you don't get all that like dialogue branch obviously and and the only so, place like... that happens here is if you are a female chef and you have ashley yeah every other huh. one because caden's bisexual in this right you're right. able to romance him as either chef mm-hmm. yeah so this is just huh. the one weird dynamic huh i never really thought about that because like we talked about like over the course of this, this show it's like in a lot of cases, you'll get, like, what is clearly, like, the the fleshed-out romantic dialogue, and then you'll get kind of the stunted, not-romantic dialogue, which is why yeah. the conversations with Jack and Tally in Mass Effect 2, they end on very, like, very bum notes if you're a female shepherd. Yeah. Huh. I never really thought about that. I should look into that, because I, I need to, like, compare this yeah. dialogue. Cause... And if, I, if I'm playing it wrong, if there is a way for Ashley to be, like, super sympathetic to a female shepherd, well, that might also be it because i mean like i will say i was not doing constant like top of top dialogues i was doing some middle dialogues because i was That's... also sick of ashley's shit so that is something i wonder because like something that you've told like we won't we won't spoil this part until we get to that episode but like you had to get paragon renegade check through yeah. something yeah and when okay you said that you that might have something to do, to do that. It. in fact when you no, said no i didn't the well, okay the way that you told me yours played out compared to the way that mine played out were so different that i was like wow this dynamics really and i mean 
at the at first i just attributed it to the fact that you were romancing caden but now i'm beginning mm-hmm. to think that there's some deeper machinations <laughs> going on here <laughs> oh huh. well we'll so, we'll get back to that soon. speaking of deeper machinations let's talk about the rachni <laughs> uh oh boy so some before we get into the, <sighs> before we get into the big part of helping out the genophage and curing it, uh, there was there was some Krogan that went missing, and uh, we should probably help them out. This is one of those missions that doesn't immediately appear to be like a um, to be a critical mission, like in the same way that I ended up missing the Kasumi mission. Uh, it does not immediately appear like there's something big happening here and then it turns out that this was like a major mission and you should definitely go check it out and this is maybe one of the things i really don't like about mass effect 3 is that it takes all these missions where you're basically playing the tutorial for the multiplayer mode and then it makes them look as important as missions like this and so you're constantly playing a game of am i going to have a really rich story laden experience with characters that are memorable and different set pieces and objectives or am i going to play a stunted version of the multiplayer for seven minutes uh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah. but I, I think that's always like that Mass Effect 3 has a problem with like it, the way it like uh, lays out its journal like it mm-hmm. it doesn't have like those distinctions anymore of like uh, like main missions side quests where, like I don't I, did Mass Effect even have that in the first place because it had like assignments and then it had yeah, like they used to story split missions it up between like assignments yeah. and missions and they were also much better about like th- again one of the things I like about this game is that it says like hey priority like this when you see a priority mission that means that's going to move the story forward time will pass things will lock up you better be ready to move on with the story if you go here that's really good but they're they only have two tiers in this game and they really needed three tiers because uh like even mass effect 2 this a little bit better where all those like firewalker missions and stuff like that they would be labeled they would just be like hey this is what you're going to do if you go here and do this thing or most of the stuff that you end up doing in mass effect 2 is just either like you know help tally or recruit tally like they by virtue of it being a more focused game they're able to just be like hey yeah this is what you're going to go do here you know go recruit the dossier you know get the dossier or you know help somebody out or this is the name of the dlc and we're just going to put it right here um but with mass effect 3 you're doing so many different things for so many different people that you get something that it's just called Attican traverse krogan team which sounds like a multiplayer <laughs> mission but then it turns out that it's about the rachni and the return of the rachni because ken the rachni aren't fucking dead <laughs> apparently not or and or they're not peaceful and that's i don't know which one hurts more i don't know which one is more annoying but we do get a little bit of goodness here we get grunt back my son he's a big boy (laughs) he's he's a good boy he just wants to do do right he's he's precious and we love him he's also boy uh he is really the only one that comes out of this thing unscathed on the krogan side of things <laughs> i had forgotten that this does not end well for every krogan who is not grunt <laughs> i mean that depends on what you do because if you oh cool. if you pick one thing a bunch of krogans killed them that's neat fun okay Damn. all right i'll say like i didn't like i don't know which choice you made but okay so uh 
okay so you had a little bit again i had not played arrival by this point uh and so you got a little bit i want to hear what this extra arrival dialogue was that you got at the beginning because now i'm interested because i was Uh, was, yeah it was just it was sort of like the one at the beginning where like grunt asks like what happened to you and like if you don't um like if you don't play arrival it's just kind of like a general like oh well it's with the alliance but then like if you have played arrival you got like an actual conversation where he's like oh, I was with the Alliance because they were holding me because of what happened with the Batarians, etc. Like, again, it's just, like, sort of, like, kind of like the, the Lair of the Shadow Broker thing on uh, Sir Cash, where it's, like, oh, it's, actually, like... It's a little throwaway, but it's, like, a nice little nod. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I didn't miss yeah. too much, then. Um, <laughs> so, luckily, Jay, I don't know if we ever asked you this question, because I don't think the episode you were on for Mass Effect 2 would have involved this, so I want to know... Do you, when you play Mass Effect 1, in the times that you do play Mass Effect 1, uh, do you save the Kro- Krogan Queen, the Rachni Queen, or do you kill the Rachni Queen? Um, I don't think I ever finished Mass Effect 1. Okay. That's fair. Right. I think I'm gonna go with kill. Hell yeah. Oh, cool. I'm on a podcast with monsters. That's great. <laughs> well, so I imagine for y'all right. then... This was probably a little bit more frustrating than it was for me. Because for me, I was like, okay, you know what? You know, I trusted the Ragni. It seems like something went bad. I immediately was like, oh, they're probably indoctrinated. Like, that's that sucks. I really didn't want that to happen. Now I gotta go kill a bunch of Ragni. And I like the Ragni. They're, they're honestly one of my favorite alien races in the Mass Effect universe. And so that sucks that they just kind of get turned into a mob. You know, that like, hey, they're a faceless enemy that I just gotta shoot a bunch of. That's not fun. But for y'all, it's like... No, I exterminated this damn race. <laughs> mm-hmm. I committed I mean, crimes. It's the Rachni. Come on, exterminate it. Jesus. Jay just looking at it like it's a cockroach on the wall. <laughs> like I, I, like I say these horrified things as if I didn't just do it. I, yeah, okay. you're, you're so here with me, man. That renegade life. <laughs> I, I do. He does not vacation in it. This is his. This is his every day. <laughs> um, so. Boy, the Ragni. Uh, so let's talk about this, the the Ravagers, because those are the other enemy I don't like in Mass Effect 3. And, and tell me about how much you hate him, Ken, because you got it pretty much laid out right here. My, like, okay. My problem is that they they fight from range, and, like, you have to, like, they have, like, these sacks of, uh, what, what are they called? Um, hmm? Swarmers, which are, like, Swarmers. these tiny spider things, <laughs> yeah. And you have to, sh- like, you have to shoot those to do, like, major damage, but those things still come crawling at you anyway. Mm-hmm. So, by the time that I've dealt with this, like, the actual Ravager itself, these fucking things are on me. And you can't, like, I, I can charge to these things, but, like, that's not really useful. And it's like, I, I, I have a thing about in games when, like, I kill an enemy, but it, it it's like it lives on. And I have to deal with it, like, a, a second time. That bugs me. <laughs> bugs. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so that's always been my problem with Ravagers it's like they are like they take forever to like actually finally fucking die and those swarmers they take out your shields if they touch you like they they, they don't fuck around and they're like these tiny little things that are like they blend into the ground and I it's a and to top it off these things don't exist in my playthrough I killed the last of the right now so so yeah, no, Ravagers suck, because they're like, hey, let's take two really annoying enemy types, which are, you know, the spawners that add extra enemies when you kill them, 
and long-ranged artillery types in the middle of an otherwise melee combat force. Let's just combine them together. Let's make them one unit. That sounds super evil. And let's put a ton of them down so that way like, you can't take them out in bulk or specifically target them because when you do, the other three are all going to aim right at you. They never shoot my... I've never seen a Ravager shoot a teammate of mine. They are always locked down <laughs> on my ass and blasting away. That is America's ass. <laughs> I got that movie on the mind, man. It's um, America's ass. You're blasting on. <laughs> uh, but this mission is really cool, and like the whole, so the whole of Mass Effect. I always toot on about the the Rachni and how cool all the horror stuff that mm. they can do with that. And this really feels like some of the best in in the series as far as that goes because like you like you note here this whole like network of caves is disorienting like i got lost multiple times trying to yep. get through it and they do a really good job of having you know, the the audio design is really good where you have that skittering and the little noises in the background and stuff like there were definitely parts of this i was playing where i was like somebody played dead space and uh that's like that's good i like seeing that it's always cool when i can play a game and be like yeah this designer clearly like played this other thing and then wanted to try and incorporate that into this game and they did it in like a really good way not in a really like ham-fisted way and that's how i felt about it uh and and then we kind of end it with like a wave defense which sucks that that was maybe the one bummer out of all of it uh but otherwise it's like a really interesting mission that again i can't believe it's like totally missable especially compared to some of i mean even the mission the story mission we had this one with on Sirkesh is so standard bog standard mass effect like it really is it's a couple of hallways like with different floors and cover and you're fighting enemies as they land and stuff like that like it is very mass effect so having this here in an optional mission is totally wild but it's also a reminder that uh if if Ken had his scruples, he would not have had to play this mission whatsoever. So I'll, I see this in your notes. I want to hear this rant. I can feel the power from this rant. I want it. Ken, tell me. Okay. <laughs> so in the past seven years since this game came out, the Ragnar mission is sort of like the poster child of like an argument that I don't think holds water in the grand scheme of things, but like the idea that your choices in Mass Effect don't matter. The reason being that, like, the basis of this mission is that you're going to figure out what's going on with the Rachni when you theoretically wiped out the last of them two games ago. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you did kill the Rachni in the first game, you fight, or, like, you're here and there's a Rachni breeder, as they call it, which looks exactly like a Rachni queen, go figure, that can make other Ragni, and then they the Reapers do their magic on it, and it becomes a Ravager. Wait, so it and, doesn't even make um, Ravagers, it makes Ragni that get turned into Ravagers? Like, they're... That's... Yeah, as far as I can... Because, I mean, you never see like the, uh, I guess the before of that, so presumably, and I say presumably because, like, the breeder looks exactly like a Ragni. So, again, that's my assumption that it does not a different Rachni individual who is revived by the Reapers and has become indoctrinated. So it is just another just another Rachni queen, but it was genetically engineered by the Reapers. What? So there's just yeah. another Rachni queen hanging out. So, okay. Fucking what? 
<laughs> yeah, literally, like, and... Physically uh, identical to the true Ragnar Queen, however, its mind has been twisted as a result of its unnatural creation, causing it to refer to itself as a monster and to speak in the first person singular rather than the plural. It's also much more like insistent that it be spared, offering to spawn new children loyal to Shepard's cause in exchange for freedom. Unlike the queen, which will calmly accept its fate if left behind, the breeder will become enraged and scream for its minions to kill Shepard. Boy. All right. Oh, and so okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's more to that, but don't worry, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you're, if you're going to talk about the consequences of that, we'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, no, we'll get to that. Don't worry, because I'm reading this now. I've never done this side of the mission, and now, like... Right. I, I went from being like, wow, this this is really dumb, the way this happened, to being like, holy crap, they actually did it this way? Like, good God. <laughs> so, the trouble, like, the thing that frustrates me about this, it is, I don't feel like it's necessarily a thing about, like, your choices don't matter, because in the grand scheme of things, like, again, I don't think that that's true, and I think there are a lot of other examples beyond this one that is kind of used as, like, a poster child for, like, that notion um, that kind of, like, disprove that. But... To me, I see this mission, and I look at some. Like, I look at this mission, and I see something that was clearly made because if they didn't, like, if they deprived people of like an hour of this game, they would get so much shit for it. Because, like, you know, gamers want that dollar per hour. They want to get their money's worth. And if they find out that they made a decision, you know, five years ago on another game that deprived them of something in this game you know who's everyone's gonna be fucking pissed about it i don't know if it's necessarily just that but like i think also grunt being tied into this probably affected that choice a lot that if you made that decision years ago and you're playing the game now not only did that mean you didn't get the mission but you also didn't get to see grunt at all because it's the only time you see him outside of the end so like my my takeaway with that is like i would have preferred like an alternate mission that like they can, you know, they can tie Grunt in, and they can, like, and maybe, and that's, like, a, a perk of, I mean, like, a perk of killing the Rachni. Like, you don't have to deal with Ravagers that whole game. Like, that's just not a thing that ever appears. Like, that's not something you have to deal with. Um, and there are games that do that kind of thing. Like, they have, like, and, and, uh, granted, they're not usually, like, they're usually fairly, like, singular. Like, they are, like, uh, like, visual novels or, like, God forbid, a, a quantum dream, a quantum dream game that, like, have, like, these oh, yeah. major... Valentine's like major... my boy on here. <laughs> I don't think we need to talk about your boy, but, like, games that, like, have major diverging paths when you make certain choices. And, I mean, like, that is, you know, pipe dream, not keeping it, like, not taking into account, like, budget, time constraints, etc. But it's, like, in a, in a world where Mass Effect 3, like, took six months later to come out, like, maybe that would have happened. Like, Bioware wouldn't have had to come up with this asinine reason to have this mission as it exists in a playthrough where you've killed the Ragnai that is I ba- that is basically identical otherwise like to the other choice. And so for me, like I, I get to this and like the choice is very easy at the end. Like I'm gonna leave this monstrosity and I'm gonna save Grunt's squad, which is what I did, which is why Grunt is not the only one who eats it or or doesn't eat it, I guess when I get to the end of this mission, which it sounds like they happened for it. you. They, they eat yeah. the, the Rachni Queen? Do they get stronger when they eat the Rachni Queen? Power up! Is this uh, your second bad joke, or which one are we on? Uh, second or 14th. Uh, I would say so, lost count. Uh, yeah, so... I'm now seeing that... So, let's talk about best choice. Let's talk about best choice. Because uh, okay. you have that here. And that's something I'm thinking about right now, too, because it's like, 
basically you are retroactively rewarded by being able to make the best possible choice here by having saved the Rachni Queen and then choosing to free her, which in turn ends up getting all of Grunt's squad killed. And apparently Grunt, unless you have made like got his loyalty mission in Mass Effect 2, in which case he survives it and you get like the best case scenario. That kind of stuff happens a lot here in Mass Effect 3 with these side character missions where you have these moments where it's like they're double checking the loyalty from Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Uh, You didn't just need it for them to survive the suicide mission, but you need it for them to survive Mass Effect 3. And And that kind of gets around like people that, well, just I'll just point out, like that kind of gets around like people that kind of did the math for like that last like, the hold-the-line moment in the suicide mission in Mass Effect 2. Like, you did the math to make sure you didn't have to do all the loyalty missions, but, like, you maybe got the ones that you needed. But that where... feels, like, weird to tie that in here. So I I go back and forth on this constantly. I will say I'm not... I do not have my mind made up one way or the other. But uh, that feels super weird to have something so in the past suddenly become a deciding factor and and not even just in the past, like, yeah, you know, the Rachni Queen stuff was actually earlier than any of this, but it it almost makes me feel like those Mass Effect 2 decisions then end up being less of a decision and more of, like, a gameplay checkmark. Because all I of mean, a sudden now loyalty, they're not this well, thing yeah. that specifically impacts the suicide mission, but now it's something that's, like, a broader thing, and so it feels... It just makes it feel less like a choice that you've made and more like you've completed a side objective in a mission, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it just, it, it cheapens it that tiny, it's it's a tiny bit. It's a really fine difference between the two, but it does do it that much for me, where I'm like, oh, you know, I, I made those choices because I wanted all those, all them to survive the suicide mission. I wanted to, like, make sure that they were going to get out okay and stuff like that. I didn't want to do it just, because then it suddenly feels like I'm not, playing the game in a like a role-playing way i'm playing it to optimize it i'm playing it to like get the best run to get the best choice i gotta do the loyalty missions and that's that's suddenly where it starts to feel weird to me and i I start feeling that on specifically the idea of like doing loyalty missions i don't think there's ever been a role-playing reason to not do those so I don't know that like yeah you could just be like a renegade shepherd who's like I don't I don't fucking care who you are thank I don't know like, especially I, if you don't like a character I didn't yeah. I don't think I did all of them and it's because some of the characters I just thought were or shit. in the case of like Legion or something like that where you oh, yeah. might have already acti- activated the IFF and you're like well either my crew dies or I help Legion with some geth problem I think I know which one I'm doing like <laughs> I, I I don't know about like. Going back to, like, the actual, like, points at which loyalty factors into Mass Effect 3, I feel like in the individual instances that happens, which I think of, like, Grunt, Kasumi, Zaid. It's all Mass Effect 2 characters. And, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, because they're the only ones that you do loyalty mission for. But that's what I'm but, saying. Like, but, that, but that's what I'm saying, is, like, they factor in... It's not just, like, oh, you didn't do this mission. It's, like, oh, you didn't do the thing that was happening in that mission that factored into the way that they are kind of set in this world because like okay I mean I know you didn't do the Kasumi mission but like what happens to her and her mission is like she doesn't necessarily die but she cloaks and the only way that you see her come back is if she's loyal because like why would she come back to a guy that screwed her over or with Grunt like he dies if he doesn't have his loyalty because like 
You left he didn't his, go through his... Yeah, you left his squad to die and stuff like that. And he, yeah, he didn't go through his puberty or whatever, his Krogan yeah, killing so it's, to me it's less of like to me it's less of like a check mark and it's more of like what difference did the the events of their loyalty mission have okay. on this person? Like, Okay, you brought and me back. So like, yeah, so like by the time that it gets to this point, like those those weren't just check marks for them to get through the collective base. Like those had a larger effect on their lives for the better. Okay, you brought me back from the edge. I'm with you now. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> mm. My piping hot take is now cooled. It's out of the oven. It's on the rack. We're, we're... okay. Uh, but you left you left that ragnar queen to die because you ain't about that life. Uh, yeah. Also, apparently, if you do try to save her. Uh, and try to get that best choice. Uh, she actually ends up like detracting points from your war effort because she ends up killing a lot of people and stuff. Yeah, I. And that, that's, that's the kind where it gets fun. like I I don't know. Okay, it sounds weird to call like the murder of a bunch of random people <laughs> on a ship somewhere fun, but <laughs> it's, it's a fun little treat. Uh, yeah, it's it is like oh you jerk you tried to like do the thing that you thought would get you the most points in this game fuck you you're gonna lose points now like welcome to mario party like that's anyway yes. and, and there are like a... <laughs> Lord. and there are like a few instances of that in this game because like i mean we'll get to the specifics of how the tachanka situation can go yeah. later but like if you do like there are all these sort of moving parts so, like, if you make certain decisions that you think are going to get you the most assets, they will actually get you the least possible of any sort of uh, means of that going on. Um, Which is kind of so interesting, because like, they're basically yeah, it's, saying it's, that, like, Shepard, like, the most effective Shepard is the one that's acting for the best of the galaxy and not just to play some sort of, like, min-max game with resources and stuff yeah. like that. It's, and that is, that is sort of, like, I think it's... That's idealistic. And that's just... It go like whether I think do I think there's like a best choice in most things in the the series? No, I don't think there are. But when it comes to the Ragnar, that's where it gets really great because like it feels like regardless, you're being punished for having made the renegade decision. Yeah. But I mean, I got I got Grunt's crew out where you didn't. So, like that's that's where it kind of comes back to me is like, it, war assets aside do you make the principal decision in the moment is sort of like where I've always and that's you know what I've been saying in this whole series of podcasts so again like if it if you want to bring it down to math there are probably quote unquote best decisions but I don't when it comes to the actual principle of the matter I don't know that that's, that holds up mm-hmm. all I know is I saved that Ragnar Queen because I, I wanted that romance option and uh, I'm still waiting for the Ragnar Queen I'm still waiting it's just, yeah. I think you're gonna be waiting a little bit longer for just that. Wanna, just want to go one date, one date. Give me the, give me that. Come on, Jay. Jay, Oof. how did you feel about this mission? <laughs> did, did you, uh, did you get to this one in your playtime? Or no, no. But I, I went back and watched uh, some video from it, and I remember you specifically mentioning the, the multiplayer part. That that kind of jogged some memories for me of just feeling like it was a bit of a slog. Um, mm. I don't remember a ton about the story stuff, uh, especially because it seems like a lot of it kind of relates to Mass Effect 1, which I've uh, purged from my memory. And, <laughs> and uh, but I remember, like, the getting lost stuff, I didn't feel like it was handled that well. Um, but the general, like, creepy nature of it, it, it feels fresh, as opposed to, like, if you look at, like, Mass Effect 2, those early missions were very much like the uh, the 
what is it, Sirkesh mission to where it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, this looks Always. like a Mass Effect ass environment. Uh, whereas <laughs> at least this one was like doing something different, even though I don't know that it necessarily killed it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not necessarily really repeated either. I mean, like there are a couple like other horror segments in Mass Effect Three, but like this sort of specific vibe and like you know working like through the webbing and the you have like the flamethrower like that's yeah, not really repeated, which is like it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about this. This is really good. The, the web parts okay this mission's good never mind uh all right so we all we also we gotta we gotta do a we are keeping count of the times in which i cried during oh this game God, right. it, like wait so is this like the times you cried because you say it's the 2012 cry count is this like you cried current day or is this past ken it, no this is past ken like this is okay this is that's like, why i was okay, so, about it. i was like you knew this was coming <laughs> no no like i mean granted granted there are still some points that like you know seven years later that get me but then no this is like Points at which 2012 to 2013, because we're going to play through the DLC as well, uh, that person, that, that guy from back then, cried. Because Mass Effect 3 holds the record for most times I've ever cried in a game. So, It's amazing, because I sat next to him at the PlayStation Experience, and uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you must not be I mean, if you press sat, conferences. <laughs> I would say, like, if you had, if you'd sat with me like during this game, you would have you would not be my friend now. Um, so I would say, like... And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about a few of these as the game goes on. But like the scene in which they are, like, Grunt can possibly die, and like they're trying to make you think the Grunt is gonna die, was the very first moment that Mass Effect Three made me cry because I they sold it to me. I thought it was happening, mm-hmm. and so like, but then he walks out and he's you know he's covered in arachnid blood and it's gross. But like it's it, it almost gives you like this sort of like false hope that this game is not always gonna be taking things away from you. But yeah, it was the first point that got me, and I think even like next episode we're gonna be talking about another one that got me. But right, we are we are at it's because he's grunt, man. Can't can't go yeah. down that easy. Come on, oh. he killed the puberty worm. He did. He did. God, I love that well, metaphor. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a really good metaphor. I'm glad that Mass Effect and the Netflix series Big Mouth have something in common. <laughs> they both have giant puberty monsters. <laughs> That show is fucking disgusting. I still have yet to watch it, but my sister keeps telling me that it's really good. I don't believe it's her. like if you're listening right now. I don't believe you. <laughs> it, it's 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 a my my sister watches it too, and like I, was, I sat in the room long enough show. to okay. know this. We got it. We apparently got it. so. Yeah. Our our sisters can watch it. We cannot. More about that American vandal life. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Uh, who did the penises? And and who did the poops? That's I haven't watched important. the poops yet. Oh, the I'm poops! Really excited. I would say the poops is better than the penises. If you had to wow. ask me. Wow. It's, yeah. Y'all fucking wild. <laughs> so, uh, we're gonna do a viewer question now. One of our lovely patrons uh, sent in some more questions for us to answer. Thank you so much, Rain, and also to space racist Ashley Williams. Thank you for being patrons for donating. Thank you, Jay, for donating. You are a that's patron me. of us as well, I believe. And there are plenty of others out there, but you're not on our show right now, so that's why you're not getting a shout out. So you gotta either bump up that Patreon donation, or you gotta come on the show. I mean, it's, it's one or the other. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ken's like, why is he actively antagonizing our patrons? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, we ran through these questions real quick just before uh, we had Jay on because we want to make sure that we had one that he could talk about. And he has not played Andromeda because he's a smart person, so we're not going to talk about that one. Fuck uh, you. So the one we're going... <laughs> hey, look, he's making the right choice here. <laughs> I can't believe I got roped into this thing. 
<laughs> I can't believe that we got to the point where I'm now going to have to play Mass Effect Andromeda. If you want to not only God make me make sure that I will play Mass Effect Andromeda, but also make sure that I go on to play other games that I would like to play and then other games that I don't want to play, uh, you can donate to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash normbfm. Uh, where you can see all of our stretch goals. We've already hit Andromeda, but we can keep going. We got Dragon Age up there. We got Jade Empire up there. We got KOTOR up there. I mean, we could just go through the Bioware games. We're going to do the whole discography, if you will. Uh, But right now, we're just in Mass Effect, and we're going to talk about... Coming from Rain, question number two. Of course, in a game, we are willing to suspend our belief to varying degrees, but what is the thing that you find hardest in Mass Effect to overlook? Mine is the Reaper invasion and why they don't decide to just guard the relays. Like, I'm flying all over the galaxy foiling their plans because they give me unlimited access. I get it. It's a game, but I am kind of with you on that, that uh, you would think that the Reapers would at least have some scout ships hanging out around the relays. And well, I, mean, I get that the and... Normandy is a stealth ship. I do I do get that. The Normandy is a stealth ship. But there there is an element of... They even say, like, yeah, you can be a stealth ship, but if you're looking out the window, you're going to see it. But then I guess Reapers don't have windows, so... They have eyes. It must be really but... claustrophobic inside a Reaper ship. I still keep well, thinking out, like, about where the, the Reaper troops come out of, man. I keep thinking about it. <laughs> well, I am going to point out, they do have, like, and they make it like a mechanic in Mass Effect 3, where, like, Reapers, like, if you spend too much time in the system and you're scanning, they will they will pick up on your signals, and then they will come oh, get you. we haven't and then, talked about that yet. That's super annoying, because you scan, like, it gets... twice in a system, and you are immediately beset on by Reapers, and... It gets more annoying as the game goes on, because, like, they, the Reapers are obviously spreading throughout uh, the Milky Way, but it's like, that's why you get as much scanning as you can, you can get out of the way very early on. Well, see, that's why... Pro t- I, tip. I, I'm going to be honest, like, I was just using... We will get to your question, don't worry. <laughs> um, I was using a guide to just, like, be like, hey, where are the, the things that give me the war assets and stuff? Because I was like, yeah, I really don't want to play uh, Where's Waldo or, you know, like, Marco Polo or whatever with all the different dots in the galaxy and that's made my life a lot easier but uh Mm. the thing i find hardest in mass effect to overlook i mean we already talked about the crucible but i don't even think it's that because at some point in in mass effect you do just have to kind of be like oh well there is space magic like at the end of the day you have to realize that biotics exist and everyone's like super cool with there just being force powers for some reason and also like there is a social contract, I guess, to not just flay people alive when you get pissed off because then other people could flay you alive, I guess. But it that part is, I wish I, I could learn more about it. Maybe it's in the codexes and stuff like that about like just the social contract around the different things that are in the Mass Effect universe and how they've kind of come to be civil with all these different things. I mean... <sighs> I imagine murder is like something. Well, yeah, that obviously most murder is obviously it's, it's looked down upon, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. it's the thing that is hardest well, for like, me to well, look. Okay, I gotta I think about. This. I, 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 I had more on that, but Shepherd, oh. Mr. Shepherd, Mr. I do. Shepherd. <laughs> do you the one thing that like <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I just called you that. <laughs> I mean, it's what you've known me by for five years. Like I'm a lawyer, like Mr. Shepherd. <laughs> Uh, the one, the one, like, suspension of disbelief that, like, just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Like, why, why, why did it take three, three games for us to meet a gay man? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's that's fair. Okay, I'll, I'll, th- I'll think. I'm sure I'll think of another answer too. Um, but that was the one that first came to me. So here's something. Here's something. I just want. I want to put this out there. Do they ever talk about like how long it took for humans to be living on the Citadel? And more importantly, and this is really where I'm going with this. And I promise I'm not just saying this to be like that guy. I really do wonder who the first human was that was like, "I'm gonna get busy with the aliens," because. There had to be some people. I don't people think that they were, said that. But there had to be some people who were just jetting off because they had the war with the Turians and all that. I, there's there's a lot of stuff around like the first contact stuff that I'm like, it's it's hard for me to overlook just because it's, I I mean it, it's implying that Earth has its shit together enough to like even handle a war against the Turians, much less like you know give them a fight when the turians are supposed to be this like major military presence and stuff like that like i always thought that was kind of weird and especially in this game where it's super uh emphasized that you know, like yeah the turian fleet's like the best fleet you know we got to have the turian fleet and the turians are a military race you know they're like spartans out there and stuff like that and then you find out that the humans on their first foray into the galaxy like gave them a decent fight i'm just going like how like did they was it like a a game of thrones situation where they just ended up inventing the big crossbow that does the really good thing against the other people like did yeah that's that is the part all the stuff revolving around humanity getting to the point where they can live peacefully on the citadel because i know that there was some jackass human who got to the citadel and started doing dumb shit immediately and got ejected out of an airlock like there 100 percent was that guy so I just I don't understand how humans actually do get to the point in Mass Effect One where they are considered at least somewhat respectable and not a bunch of buffoons. <laughs> let's let's say that. <laughs> I I don't have faith in humanity keeping its shit together. <laughs> oh, glad I got One, that. Off I, my chest. I have two. <laughs> One of mine, and there's a name for this concept, but I can't think of what it is. But it's the always running into the other person no matter Small world syndrome yeah there you go so like how many times can garris enter from stage right and just be like oh shepherd and then like the same for almost every other character of just oh it's funny to run into you here despite this vast huge universe they're always just yeah. like running into each other just so happen to be like in the toilet beside shepherd or something <laughs> <laughs> can you spare a square i recognize those puns. <laughs> <laughs> pass over some tp and tell me how you been <laughs> oh poop jokes that's why you're here <laughs> you know, speaking of poop jokes my second one my second one is what happens when they do the relay oh like because i've yeah, always thought does... like no one throws up or like poops himself or anything to my knowledge and also, like, they don't need to wear seatbelts, it seems like. Like, That's nobody's true. really strapped in. Like, Shepard's just hanging uh, out. Shepard's just kind I don't of know. standing for a lot of those. Also, I don't think Presley we ever had a chair. We don't really see chair. that that often. Presley didn't That's... get a chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Boy, now I'm thinking about... Also, like, how did the Mako go through the relay when it was mm. just a Mako and not designed for any level of being in space, but it can go through the relay just fine? And, like, yeah, it crash lands in the Citadel, but it, like, lands. You know, it lands intact and not fried and battered with three people trapped inside the (laughs) molten husk of a Mako. (laughs) That should have been a horror show coming out the other side. (sighs) 
Huh. My, I, I thought of it, I actually thought of a real one. I mean, another, my, hey. my other one was real, like one to actually like, have a discussion. I want no, to know why mine. wasn't a human trying to with a sorry poop day himself. <laughs> Pooping himself trying to hit on my... a sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My other one is like, I, oh, okay, you know what? I think we're good. I'm sorry. No, go. <laughs> go ahead, Mr. Shepard. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> so happy we have Jay on. <laughs> uh, no, Ken, come on, come on. We need an actual no, decent I'm... one, please. I, my other one was like, I don't understand how making people into sludge makes reapers. Oh, yeah. Do they ever explain like, that? Is it just no, like reaper, just like reaper juice? Is it just like, like they kind of like like blood? Like is it just in? <laughs> I know. E- Why are those? Two Edie says at one point. <laughs> Edie says at one point that like they're taking genetic DNA to make like a, what I don't know how they make the machine, but it's a. I don't fucking know. It's it's, it's this. Yeah, because you we never really get to see like the inside inside of a reaper, right? Like we we never. Yeah get up in those guts and stuff and see if there's actually like organic anything in there or if it is all just machine huh because that would imply that they are somewhat organic if they're using that genetic matter to like power themselves or something like that no huh plot hole bioware god <laughs> so ken let's do our, our lightning round with jay and we can uh close this podcast on okay. before we get to more poop jokes yeah, I, I, we don't need any more of those. Okay, so Jay, Jay Malone. Yes, my how, friend. Are you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just peachy. Let's talk about the Sonic movie. Fuck no. Not in, not in my house. Good lord. Okay, I do want to talk about, okay. Eric, you went to go see Detective Pikachu, right? Yeah, I saw Detective so, Pikachu. Yeah, so when the trailer came on in the, the previews, did it, the theater collectively groan? Uh-huh. When you saw it too, that that trailer didn't come on. <laughs> no, sh- okay. We right. we instead well, we got the trailer. Did you see a trailer for that thing? Like the sun is also a star. Was that in your trailer yeah, role? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the one that I thought was the weird. We had that and like Godzilla, <laughs> King of the Monsters were the two I remember. Yeah. And I was like, these two seem really out of place for Detective Pikachu. Like, I don't think some kid is like, I want to watch a romantic movie about a girl who falls in love, and then, all- well, no, the kids want to watch Godzilla, but. Uh, yeah, I was like, who do they think this is appealing to? But yeah, so we didn't yeah, well, see the, Sonic the, the Hedgehog. Okay, well that's you're very lucky because like it came on when I did, and there was a collective groan, and there were like videos of people that um, like because everyone in the theater knew it, like quoting it as it went along, <laughs> like an entire audience of people doing that. I feel so, so bad for the people who worked on that movie for so right? long, and and the number of them who were probably saying hey, this Sonic the Hedgehog looks like a Junji Ito manga. You know, like, this looks like a horror show come to life. This does not look like Sonic. This looks like a person who was turned into Sonic and is, like, desperately asking for help to be turned back into a person. And there was probably some suit being like, no, make it look more like a person. That looks great. And then the second somebody else saw it, they were like, that looks like shit. Let's remake the whole thing. And all the animators got to work. Like, I feel so bad for all the animators that are now being forced into yeah. it. And then you know the what? people like, that are complaining aren't going to go see it anyways. That is one thing that really sucks me. Is like, I, I made jokes about it on Twitter. I wasn't like... Yeah. 
I, I didn't plan to go through the movie anyway, but, like, now that I know that they are putting in the extra time, because, like, they're not delaying the movie. No. I'm gonna go see it. I might hate it, Good for you. but I'm gonna That's go see good. it, like, for... I would have seen the original one, because I at least am curious to see what that thing is. And I almost yeah. think that, that it would have been more interesting to see the depths to which that Sonic could be plunged than to yeah. just watch, like, a faithful... Because, honestly, what is a faithful Sonic? Do you actually want to see a faithful Sonic adaptation? That's what you get when you make, like, Sonic 2006. Like, Sonic ends up kissing a, a human girl, and you're like... Hell yeah. Oh, I mean, jury's still out. Then, he might still do that. And then, like, the James Marsden is gonna turn to Sonic and be like, yeah, I was a boxer in the Navy when I was younger. They used to call me Knuckles. And that's, like, that's how the movie's gonna end. It's gonna be terrible. <laughs> It's going to be so oh. bad. And, like, yeah. but that's what's going to happen. And, like, I would rather see Jim Carrey just completely playing the masked Jim Carrey and this weird-looking Sonic and Christopher Cross from 30 Rock and, and just, like, completely just make it the this thing that should not exist, but at least it's more interesting. Like, that's why the Mario Brothers movie is at least somewhat interesting now because someone, like got blindfolded spun around and smacked in the head and told like write the mario brothers movie and that's more interesting than if it was actually faithful to anything that mario actually does in my opinion so that movie i'm gonna see it over the weekend and it's gonna be good i'm putting it on record (laughs) okay it's gonna be better than people think it's gonna be Oh, I thought you were going to say better than Detective Pikachu. And I was like, that I mean, is a steaming hot take I am here for. I, okay, I will say that. I'll say it will be better than All Detective right. Pikachu. Hell All right. Jay I am seeing right. Detective Pikachu You're this on. weekend. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for you. It's a good time. It's a good time. When have you seen it? This weekend. I'm going to see it again, like, next couple days. This year, eighth time? you've seen it now, Ken. <laughs> uh, it'll be my third time. Okay, so yeah. you're not, like, at the part yet where it's a cry for help, but you're, like, getting there. You're like you're close. <laughs> you you gotta. I just got. Like, I'm I'm pulling out like friends and family members. Like, hey, come see this movie with me, so I have an excuse to go see it again. So I think that's one way. Jay Jay Malone, how many times? What is the most amount of times you've seen a single movie in the theaters? I'm sorry, what did you say? You cut out. What What is the most amount of times that you have seen a single movie in theaters? There is no way that I've seen a movie more than twice. I don't think... Nope. I saw a gold member, Austin Powers gold member, twice. (laughs) That's the best answer. (laughs) I think I saw the last Lord of the Rings, or maybe the second Lord of the Rings, three times. That was the most I'd ever seen. And by the third time, I was like, I don't think I needed to go that last time. I think I was good. I don't think I needed to see it a third time. But I, I went anyways because my ticket was paid for all three times. So I didn't really care. But mm. uh, yeah, I can't imagine reaching that many. At some point, I, I need I need a gap between when I've seen it in theaters and then like watching it again later. At least it's not Endgame. At least it's not like 12 hours. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah, I I I saw him game twice and I'm good. You saw it twice? I, my, <laughs> Jesus. Well, I, and like, what's what what? It's nine hundred hours it long. It's really long. It is. I mean, I I don't fucking care. Like that's that's never the problem for me. Like for me, it's just like, did I like this movie enough to see it again? I mean, actually, yes. Because like, like, probably... I like my my thing is like I love the theater experience. Like I like being there and like getting popcorn, getting an icy, and just like having a place to go when I've got nothing else going on that day. And that's, like, my thing. That's why I see movies multiple times. That's why I see... Or, I, I, I've been good about, like, not necessarily seeing everything lately. But 
don't know. It's 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 my me time thing, and I like doing it. And you know, I get that. I a, get a, that. a three hour movie costs just as much as an hour and a half movie. So do you, do you have the like... movie pass thing? Like, because you got to get on I, that. I think the, it's 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 canceled now. Yeah, those oh, things are trash now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. And the ones that are around, like are I have super like expensive. Yeah, like and I've got like the like the memberships at AMC and Regal, oh, okay, so like I I'm, I'm constantly like getting value back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I do the Regal one, and I get a ton of points back, free tickets pretty often. Yeah, and so yeah, that's the thing. It's like a lot of these trips that I go on are free tickets. So like when I go to see Pikachu next time, it's gonna be free because like I've got the uh, points to do it. So there you go. Okay. That's that's the moral of the story out there, folks. Is uh, get on those uh, reward memberships. Those, give those them really your information. Uh-huh. Give them your information and give me your information. If you want to mail your, uh, let, let's just go with your credit card number, your social security number, uh, you know, your apartment number, the access code to the gate, and the times of the day when you're not home. Uh, you can just send that over to uh, normdfm at gmail dot com. <laughs> we can help you out. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, Please don't do any of that. Life insurance policy. I need to know that. Your mother's maiden name, uh, the high school you attended, and your uh, first childhood pet. Yeah, first childhood pet. Name of the favorite pet, teacher. Of course. Uh huh. Uh, favorite superhero. I've had that one recently, which is a weird one. That's like the the new mm. thing. All the security <laughs> questions are trying to keep hip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jay, we're going to run you through the ringer real quick here. Uh, Ken, hit him with the, the Mass Effect 3 survey. All right. Who's your romance? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was... I can't even remember who my options were, because Jack is not an option in this one, right? Right. Like, Unless you romance her in two. Kinda is. Yeah, I did romance her like in two. If you romance her in two. Then, I did yeah. romance her in two, so I might have, because I, I was looking, because I knew you were going to ask this question. And I was looking at the cast characters, and I'm like, I don't remember any of these people. Unless it was just, like, one of the, like, basic white women that are on the ship. That could be it. Oh, no, Kelly Chambers, Kelly Chambers is not on the ship this time. Uh, okay, so I think it was you, Jack. Did you play, did you play Femshep? No, no. Oh, okay, yeah, so it wouldn't have been Trainer. Yeah, so probably it was Jack then. I would say, I would say there aren't any white women on the ship. Yeah, no. distinct lack of them. That's great. Or Diana Alice. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jay over here. But please, 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 no. Um, <laughs> did you, did you sabotage or, uh, did you sabotage the Genophage Cure? Uh, no, I do not believe so. Good, 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 good man, good man. Um, did you side with the Koreans, Geth, or did you make them hold hands and love each other? Uh, is that the ending? No, that's no. uh when you're we're, you're doing all the stuff with the Koreans and the Geth, and eventually you have to either like side with one of them or try and make them side with each other. I think like, I, I think I sided with the Koreans. Oh, I, I mean the basic way of asking this is like, was Tally alive yes. in your playthrough? Okay, yeah. yeah. So you did not side against. The oh Koreans. no! So you oh. definitely either like had them work together, but Legion. Was how did Legion die in your playthrough? I don't. Do Legion remember? was not in my third. Oh, playthrough. oh, my third, third. oh that would, that probably is what happened then. That I, I yeah, because I know they I know they have to both be alive for you to be able to get them to work together. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah all right. With Corians, yeah, I didn't do anything Damn. with Legion in the second well, one. Hey Jay, you I'm made the say... best of a bad situation. That's, Thank you. you. You did the right thing. Without Legion, I don't know Ugh. that I would save the game. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, which ending did you pick? 
Um, looking at the endings, I'm about 99% sure it was the synthesis ending. Oh, oh damn. I think you were the okay. first synthesizer we've had on here. Every, everyone else picked reasoning. the same thing. I can't remember my reasoning, but I remember not... Like, I made a joke earlier that it was a bad ending, but I remember just feeling nothing. Just being like, I... That one is super weird. Yeah, yeah. That one's super weird because it ends. Not to like cannibalize our our ending discussion too much, but that one just kind of ends with like panning over people and being like, "Oh, look, they're kind of techno-y now. Isn't that neat?" Like, Mm -hmm. actual. We want to talk about the logistics of how things get rolled out in the Mass Effect universe. That's maybe the biggest one. Is how does the thing do the thing that makes them all the thing? Like, oh boy. Maybe that's like the the answer to Rain's question. Like, how? How? How does that happen? How? Yeah, no, not but really that's a, that's a discussion. That. That. But hey, we don't have yeah, to that's, that's discussion for another day. because we're not picking that ending. <laughs> so, that's fair. Uh, that'll be it for us today. Uh, Jay Malone, thank you so much for coming on. How can the people find you if they want to yell at you? Um, you can find me on twittercom slash cane. Uh, and that's about all. No, for you, if you're good. hiring for a legal internship, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, you can find us at Normandy FM Show on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on, Jay. We're so happy to have you on. Next week, we don't have a guest next week. We're just going to be flying Ken and I. We're going to be checking out the rest of this Tuchanka stuff. We've got a uh, we got a Turian platoon that needs saving, and then we got to do some uh, Kieran of an age-old genophage, so we got to take care of that stuff. So until next time, thank you for tuning in. See you next week on Normandy FM.